Welcome back to Four and Toe Podcast, where parents can find encouragement on their journeys through homeschooling. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and this is episode 31. We invite people of all backgrounds to share their stories, their nuanced conversations, and forward thinking, and not taking ourselves too seriously. Everyone's story matters. Every voice is important. Life is polarizing, but not everything is black and white. Come join us as we fade to gray. Fade to Gray is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Head on over to FadeToGrayPodcast.com for more information. Hello, listeners. Today, I have something a little bit different, a little bit special to share with you. I have joined the Fade to Gray Network. You've heard the ad a little bit. It was started by my husband, who has his own podcast called Fade to Gray Podcast. His podcast has gained so much momentum in the last year that he and the team have expanded to several other shows, including Movies That Molded Me, a movie review game show, Four and Toe Podcast, which you're familiar with, and Mental, a show hosted by our friend Seth, who talks about mental health and mental health issues. This spring, we've decided to expand even beyond the cast of Fade to Gray to include other shows, including The Reap Podcast and Your Atheist Pastor. In the next few episodes, you will be hearing advertisements for each of these podcasts, and you're welcome to go follow any or all of them on your podcast app of your choice. You can also look for Fade to Gray Network, its own podcast feed, to hear a sampling from each of the individual podcasts within the network. We've just launched the feed, so it's brand new, and we are starting to roll out some of the introductory episodes, including the episode you're about to listen to today. Now, this episode that I'm releasing on this feed has been edited. I cut it down to be a little bit shorter, and I also tried to censor the language. If you want to hear the discussion in full, I encourage you to go find the Fade to Gray Network, and you will find this episode in its entirety there. The Fate of Grey podcast, we've been working together for the last two years, so we're very comfortable with each other. And the point of our podcast is to be able to discuss hot topic issues, bringing different perspectives, and then fading to grey on those issues. So if we seem very familiar with each other, that's why. So let me introduce you to my fellow fade casters as we fade to grey on homeschooling and socialization. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to Four and Toe Podcast. Ow! Today we have a little bit different show. So some of you may know that I'm on a couple other podcasts, including uh, my husband's brainchild, Fade to Gray podcast. What, what? So, <laughs> Say what? Yeah. So I have the guys from Fade to Gray, including my husband, Omar. Say hi, babe. Hi. <laughs> if you are ever interested in listening to controversial topics or adult-themed show podcasts, go check out Fade to Gray podcast, and I'm making them behave themselves today um, with their language. because so it's... hard. It's so hard, Elizabeth. <laughs> I understand that. So along with Omar, we have Seth, who's a licensed clinical social worker. Um, who With two master's degrees. Hey there. With two master's degrees. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have Chris, um, who is a public school teacher. That's right. Right? Yeah. Teaching <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> Speaks many languages and, and can't math. I can't math. 
Yeah, I'm certified to teach uh, languages K through 12 and also history. So basically, he's the smartest one of all of us. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I know many people with uh, doctorate degrees who are uh, not intelligent at all. <laughs> So the reason I had these guys on is because a couple weeks ago, I participated in Fade to Gray's online conference. We called it the Big Tent Revival. We had a bunch of speakers on that we went live on our Facebook page on Saturday. And then Sunday, we did... It was amazing. Sunday, we went live individually. We all have different uh, shows that we produce on our own as well. So we... um, I put my show up, Foreign Toe Podcast, and... Basically, I posed the question, so you want to homeschool, now what? And I was on a roll, like I had a list of things I wanted to talk about and steps to take, and I was not really paying attention to everybody else who was commenting and wanting to talk about socialization, which as mm-hmm. as many of you homeschool parents are, are very aware, we often get the question, how are you going to socialize your children? And I'm on this quest to try to flip the question um, of well, what is socialization? Define socialization. What is it? What is the fear behind that question? And what is it that uh, we can do as homeschool parents to either, um, I don't know, that pacify the fears the right way, but to combat that or to make sure that our children are socialized and um, not the bane of society's existence. So. That's where we're at today. <laughs> the bane of society. Well, I'm super so, excited about this conversation. Yeah, I, I don't know how to say that exactly. I, I, we want our kids just not to be weird. In my mind, <laughs> it's okay. Okay, so so yeah, that's where we want to go with this. But in in my idea, uh, any parent, any parent doesn't matter how they school their children. The the goal of any parent should be for their children to be well adjusted adults. And what does that mean? What does that look like? To me, that's where I always start is, well, what does a well-adjusted adult look like? Omar brought up the first point. Let's talk about this. Not weird. You don't want your kids to be weird. So what does that, what What do you mean by that? What does weird look like? I mean, to me? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a pretty common fear for, I mean, hopefully that's a concern for, for anybody who's raising their kids you know uh that they don't want you know their kids to be like too i mean i don't know weird is okay as far as like accepting who you are let's not i mean i'm very weird let, let me just make that obvious um for me when i say weird i think about being in youth group when i was younger and the homeschool kids that i would see that smelled because they didn't bathe you know they, they didn't for whatever reason think it was important to, to brush their hair um you know and they just they didn't know how to like they it seems like they always had a lot of siblings and they would stay in packs and but it was kind of like they didn't know how to interact with the rest of us and so it automatically made um you know, us treat them differently, not necessarily trying to, but it's just like they they didn't want to uh, socialize with us, it seemed like almost. And so it was just kind of like, well, those, you know, you just gave them space because, um, you know, they liked their weapons and stuff, too. It's you know, like, you know, like carrying machetes and talking about, you know, like 
Royal Rangers and knots. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. Like, uh, I mean, do your thing. I don't want to piss your, you or your brother off your family. You know, I don't, I don't know. And so it seems like there is a lot of that. Obviously not every homeschool family is like that. I've also seen, um, some pretty amazing children come out and very well adapted, uh, human beings. I think I disagree with you, Elizabeth. I think that you and your siblings turned out very well. Um, they may disagree, but, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, um, and I think we're doing a great job with our kids, but I think there is that danger of them just being in such a bubble that they don't realize like some of this stuff matters. Like even with my own child, I'm concerned about my oldest who like doesn't brush her hair on a daily basis, you know, and she's a quarter black and she's the other day she had a two inch dreadlock in the back of her head that it (laughs) it took me 30 minutes to, to like comb out. And she's like in tears because it hurts because it has to be. And it's like, and I tell her, I'm like, if you can't take care of your hair, we're going to have to cut it off. You know, it's like, I wish that you were in school and had friends who would make at least at least make fun of you to enough to make you think that I should do something about this. You know, I don't want her psyche to like be bruised for the rest of her life because some mean girl picked on her when she was 10 so years she, old. But I, but that's what I was going to say. So she needs friends to bully her. That's yeah. May, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll go to there. Yeah. I, I, whoa, whoa, the social worker just said bullying's Okay. Uh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> well, no, there is. Go no, ahead. No, go no, ahead. Omar. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> like if you want me to say, yeah, I'm not a huge anti-bullying person. I think that conflict is okay. And it's not what happens to you in your life, but how you respond to it. And as an, a father, like I would help her understand that that's the real life. This is how life is. I mean, have you seen our president? And so like, I'm not going to try to raise my child to not be able to handle criticism or harsh words from another human being. Like, especially if she you can take those things and, and not be offended, not be the victim and be like, oh, there's something here. Okay. I can better myself. Like hygiene is important. And if it, if that's what it, if that's what it takes for somebody to realize to care, then yeah, I don't know. Like, go ahead, Seth. So I'm obviously not going to advocate for bowling, but there is truth that adversity makes us stronger and that we learn when we struggle. And if we, if we keep, um, you know, if we prevent, uh, difficulty, if we prevent people from being made fun of, if we prevent people from struggling, they'll never know what that's like. And so then what you're doing essentially is you're setting someone up for failure in the end because they're going to turn 18 or I don't know how it works in homeschooling world, maybe 20, 25. (laughs) When they move out on their own, when they move out on their own. Sometimes um, younger, especially if you- We don't have extra grace. We don't have- Especially if you yeah. marry them off when they're 16 that sometimes. We don't, have but- extra grades. <laughs> we don't have extra grades in homeschooling, but sometimes kids complete those grades faster. But yeah, keep going. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, but my question is, do they move out when they turn 18? Sometimes because earlier. I know a lot of homeschool kids that don't. I know a lot of homeschool kids that live at home, and that's tr- I guess it's true on both ends. I just personally know kids who've been homeschooled who didn't leave their parents' house until they were 20 because they tried well, I know, when they I know were 18 kids who and they were in couldn't public school succeed. did that too. I, I would like to say that the, 
That's also um, a very cultural thing too. I mean, if you come from a Hispanic family, for example, you're going to be living with your parents until you get married off, you know? So, I mean, that's... And even sometimes you're just neighbors to them. I saw that in Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. But, but... It's multifaceted. I'm not saying it's all home. So you have to be. So we're looking at multifaceted. Yeah, you got to be careful with that, I guess, because, like Omar said, there are a lot of public schoolers that we know that have moved back home um, to their parents, even staying with their parents in their 30s. I mean, I have friends who couldn't make it financially and are living with their parents, with their wives and children, like. And Omar and I are using my grandparents' house to live in because we couldn't cut it financially. Omar and I are very hardworking people. And so, I 21's mean... 21's the new 18. 21's the new 18? <laughs> yeah, I mean, 31. Maybe 25 yeah. the new 18. <laughs> I don't know. So, so I hear your point. Are, is that your experience with all homeschool families, though, Seth? All, are all the homeschool families that you knew, the kids were not well-adjusted in society and had to move home? Um, no. Um, so I, uh, babysat for a, a guy's kids who had four kids. Somebody let school. Seth I babysit kids. Uh, Oof. Them, like, <laughs> I know it was terrifying in high school. Um, and all four were homeschooled. Um, one has been very successful. Um, at 18, moved to Mizzou, uh, got a degree and is, is doing really well. Uh, the second oldest, um, tried to do the same thing, ended up in drugs um, and had to move back home and then had to go to rehab and has not been able to adjust well. Um, the other one is the other two are still, I believe in high school. Um, but I'm just saying that socialization is huge. And if we look at the success factors of homeschooling, you have to be very strategic in how you implement, um, real life because I personally, while I think that I went through a very difficult time growing up, I would not be who I am today had I not gone through what I did. Um, so, and, and, and so I'm just saying like from a homeschool perspective, I think that education and being around other kids is absolutely vital. Um, and they need, and well, the they good need news is, is that, uh, I'm sorry. Like they need, they need. Yes, that's there. I mean, look at him. He has two master's degrees. So that. (laughs) (laughs) I think. Uh, Hang on, hang on. Is that the only homeschool family you had contact with? I want to know what your baseline is for your opinion on homeschooling. Because if it, did you know more? I know about three different. I know about three different families, but my my main experience was uh, with this specific family that had four kids. And they were navigators, so hardcore fundamentalist Christians. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, so back to the bullying thing. I mean, obviously you don't want your kid to be um, chronically bullied. I mean, that's not good for anyone, right? But I will say that there is, just like everything else in life, there's a balance that comes along with learning how to deal with criticism, learning how to deal with someone Uh, who has more power than you, like learning how to deal with those power struggles at a young age that is super beneficial to to children. Um, So 
obviously, you know, if a kid is being chronically bullied, that needs to be stopped. Um, but allowing them time to, you know, try to figure that out on their own without intervening. I think if you're, if you're seeing it for the first time in kids being bullied, you know, maybe ask them about it. Hey, like how often does this happen? It's happened quite a bit, you know? And if it's like not a big deal, you know, maybe you don't intervene. I mean, obviously you intervene whenever it becomes a big deal, but yes, I think kids do benefit from a small amount of, um, of that struggle, right? It's not necessarily bullying. It's just, it's interactions with other, other kids. Kids can be extremely mean and, and that actually teaches kids a lesson, even for the kids that are mean. Um, because if they're mean enough, well, if they're mean enough to all the kids, the kids aren't going to want to hang out with them and then they'll learn a, a valuable lesson, you know? So it's actually valuable for kids to go through that. And I think Seth would say that they'll never have those interactions unless they're socialized, um, in like a public school or anything. But I actually tend to disagree with that because there's all sorts of, uh, socialization that can happen outside of a school setting, um, play dates, uh, communities, like letting kids go out and, you know, be on their own. If you remember, you know, public school wasn't compulsory until, uh, 1852. So everyone that was, you know, born before that, um, either, they went to a private school or some of them went to a public school, but a lot of them were just homeschooled and they turned out fine. Um, there's a huge list. All you have to do is go to Google and type it in like successful people who are homeschooled. And I think you'd be very surprised with the amount of people who are very socially uh, capable um, and are very successful that were homeschooled. So there's an argument in the homeschool community um, that says if we want to produce well-adjusted adults, the best way to do that is to get is to introduce children to well-adjusted adults and teach them how to um, interact with them rather than in having them only interacting with children all the time. Not to say not to say you're never allowed to hang out with other kids, but to say include adults in that so that you know how to interact and the argument has been that a lot of homeschool kids usually can talk, can leave high school and communicate better with adults or people older than them than their peers. Um, what would you say to that, Seth? Well, I mean, that that might be true. Um, but my whole thing is whatever happened to the to the motto that it takes a village to raise a so child? So do you think I'm the only um, one? And I think that's kind of what you're training saying. Training my children? What I'm saying, though, in it, in a public school system, though, you have multiple teachers, you have administrators, you have other students. There's all these levels of support along the way. But what I'm saying is that I believe in our public school system, not just in its educational components, but also in the level of support across the different lines. So if you're going to try to implement what you were just talking about is introducing homeschool kids to adults who are well-adjusted, I mean, I think you need to be very strategic with that and you need it on multiple levels um, on a weekly basis because that's what public school kids are getting that homeschool kids won't. Okay. So that's a good point. The question is, how big of a village do you feel is acceptable? Because right now, my kids, well, if COVID weren't happening right now, my kids have me, right. COVID's COVID. messing everybody up. But if COVID weren't happening, I would have me teaching. Omar helps sometimes. My mom takes over lessons. We have an art teacher, Mary Dickerson. That's all family. Okay, so that's the first one that's outside of the family. So, okay. so, Dickerson. okay, so the family doesn't count. All right, got it. Mary, 
I, I don't I don't I don't think so. Like I think the family is very important, but when we're looking at socialization, it needs to be people outside of the immediate home. It needs to be people who are not aunts, uncles, grandparents, because they're automatically going to love them and attribute to them. We need also support from outside. When you say that, parties. that makes me feel so, very okay, inadequate one. as a per as a person. Well, I don't mean that's, to say it. That's like what that. that makes well, it. I don't mean to say it like that. And I, well. I think that you need for socialization, you need support from multiple levels, not just your family. Um, because those relations, I'm just saying you don't want to set your kids up for failure down the road. They need to be able to have that socialization Kay. early. So I'm going to keep so going. We have Miss Mary Dickerson, our art teacher. We have music lessons with Miss Ashley. We have uh, biweekly playdates that we do lessons with other homeschool families there's uh, right now nikki is one that comes to mind that we've been able to schedule regularly other schedules happen so it doesn't always work for some of the other people but and jamie has been one vicky has or nikki has been one um sheila has been one so those are outside of the family but we're still working together with each other's kids now other kids that my kids are coming in contact with the art class has six um, they do library thing. They do things with the librarian at the library, and that varies. Um, they've done music classes with anywhere from one to six other children. Um, then they've had their friends group ranges. To, there's about maybe 15 to 20 kids that we get together with. Oh, Stephanie is another adult that has come and done nature studies with us um, and her kids, uh, her son. And so... Um, how how big of a village do you need to make it be effective, I guess? I think it's important to remember also that, you know, a hundred years ago, people didn't live so close to each other as, so as to be able to do all the things you're doing, Elizabeth, and, and kids didn't necessarily need that many people to, de- to, to help them develop. Um, I think what you're doing, and, and I don't think you need to defend yourself here, I think what you're doing... Um, you know, is certainly I, I, enough I don't either. to get your kids socialized for sure. So, yeah. so this is the thing though. This is a lot like everything Seth is saying is a lot of what the homeschool parents we encounter. And, uh, and that's, and that is most of our reaction that I've ever talked with homeschool moms is we often just feel so inadequate. And my whole goal is that, no, we're okay. And our kids are going to be fine. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm only saying that because that's what my mom did for me. Um, she had us in a weekly co-op. She would take us to the YMCA for swimming lessons. She would take us to the library. We would take books out. Now, we didn't ever do any of the programs that were offered at the library, but they were available to us. Um, and then at some point, we stopped doing the co-op because we started getting involved in church. And we were very involved in the youth group. And I did drama. I got involved in the community theater. I got, I mean, and this is all elementary school. This is pre-high school. So um, once high school came, I was doing all kinds of other things. Um, so that said, in my opinion, a lot of this has to do with um, your the parent's own personal preference, too. Because there were some parents that wanted their kids to do the gymnastics, the sports, the arts, the all this stuff. And my mom said, you get one thing a week, one thing. So I literally had to choose between music and and uh, swimming when I got to high school. And I chose music. Can I, can I say something? And went, went that direction. Yeah, go for it. Please do. Okay. So, so um, there's definitely like definitely nuance to this 
like conversation and answer. And I, I was home or I was public schooled my entire life. Um, I don't have nearly as much faith in the public school as Seth does. Um, but I, like I said before, I do see value in like what the public school does offer as far as, so I, I don't, it's, I'm not going to say it was some of the best time of my life because it, it wasn't, but I mean, there are some fond memories. And so like, you know, my best friend to this day that I have, I met in public school, you know, and it's been 30 years ago almost, you know, so 25 years at least. So yeah, there's incredible value to it. I don't have, I mean, I was a large child of color in an, an all white school district. So like, the attention that I got from a young age wasn't necessarily good and it definitely influenced how I see the world. Um, but yeah, I don't think that I would have changed it. I love my family, but if that was the only experience that I had growing up, I, I, I don't, I, I still agree with Seth that I think, um, the more exposure to, the world at a younger age the better um i do think that our children i watch their interactions with like a lot of these other kids that elizabeth's talking about that come over like some of my friends um you know children play with our kids and i'm always impressed with how they interact with other children always and i was watching them yesterday play with play with themselves you know four kids out there playing freeze tag in the front yard for like over an hour just running around and it's i that type of relationship and bond may not have happened if they are all in public school and developing their own friends and their own like little groups and things like that so i think that there's benefits to both and it's just like you were saying elizabeth what the parents um i guess are, are wanting to like you know how they're wanting to raise their children and that's where you get into for me a lot of maybe the pitfalls to socialization if if because a lot of not all but a lot of homeschool families are religious and a lot of the socialization that happens is happening inside of religious circles and for that i think is where a lot of the dis destruction or negative things by well-meaning people can happen. And so that's where I'm like, if that's the socialization, if that's a win, and when you said, okay, you got to a certain point in your life where you quit having other socialization and it all pretty much came from your youth group. And then you could only choose between like two different activities and stuff. I'm like, well, why? That's why, like, what, why does it have to be that way? It was a transportation issue. <laughs> we didn't have enough cars to get us places. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, I get what you're saying. But what, what, Seth? You're pulling out, you're pull, he's, he's pulling out, out hair that he doesn't have. <laughs> <laughs> the public school systems offers transportation. So, like, there's, there's your other thing here. Like, there's benefits with the public school system in regards to resources that you don't have when you're out on your own. 
Um, like you're right. I'm sure transportation was an issue. Well, that's where the public school system comes in. Also, can I just, uh, you know, as a public school teacher, can I just say something about that? Some of the worst interactions that I've ever seen pass between kids happened on the school bus. There was this little girl named, well, I probably shouldn't say, well, she wasn't my my student. It was whenever I was a kid on the bus. There was this little girl named Franny. And there was this jerk, uh, you know, who was in high school on the bus and his name was John and John was just mean to everyone. He was a bully and Franny, you know, obviously we picked her up from a, a, a poor area. Like, I mean, I lived in a trailer house growing up, so I'm not trying to judge or anything, but whenever they would get on the bus, they would smell bad. Um, the parents, you know, obviously didn't care about making sure that their hygiene was good. Um, and Anyways, Franny wait, wait, had those were public schoolers that smelled bad. Yes, that's right. Public school kids. Clarifying. Their hair was always messy. It doesn't have to do with with all that. So, so Franny had warts all over her fingers, and um, you know, I'll never forget one day Franny got on the bus, and John made a really crude statement about what she might have done with a frog in order to receive those warts on her fingers, and. Uh, you know, she just bawled and cried and, and you could tell she was obviously really affected by that. So yes, there are, there is public transportation available, but what are you going to expose your kids to by putting them on that public transportation? And I'm not saying that that's always going to be the case. Um, that is a huge risk whenever it comes to putting someone on a bus, uh, in order to go to school. And, and then of course you have, once they get to school, what's going to happen, right? Um, and I haven't even like gotten into the fact that the majority of teachers that I have seen, and I've worked in a couple different schools over you know multiple levels here, they're not really doing their job with fidelity. Um, a lot of them literally just go clock in, do the bare minimum for a paycheck, and then leave, and they don't really care about kids' lives. And I'm not trying to say that to like out anybody. I'm not going to name any names or name any school systems. Um, but when 65% of the teachers that I've worked with are like that, I would say that homeschooling is a great alternative to the public school education system. And, and, and that's coming from someone who I would say I'm a, I'm, I'm a very good teacher. I take pride in that. That's something that, you know, my goal is to be the best teacher I can be, but not everyone's like that. You know, I would say the majority aren't like that. Unfortunately, to be clear, I work in an urban district. Uh, and it's huge. So maybe that's not the case everywhere, but I went to school. I was actually schooled in a K through 12 building where my graduating class was 28, very rural school. And I can guarantee you the teachers that I had, very few of them actually cared about educating. Um, I'll give you an example. I'm a language teacher. Whenever I took language in middle school and in high school, it was with the same teacher and she just gave us a textbook to copy words out of, didn't really learn anything in her class, didn't get inspired to want to learn anything. It wasn't until college that I decided to actually learn languages. I went back to my hometown after I had learned enough Spanish and I saw her at a restaurant and I walked up to her and, and I thought, oh, cool, I'm going, I'm going to impress her, you know, by showing her that I actually learned the language. And so I walked up to her and just started speaking Spanish to her and she looked at me so confused and, um, she knew who I was because, you know, she said my name. She just didn't speak Spanish. Yet she was my Spanish teacher for three or four years. Blows my mind. She could 
she could quote you some words, you know, some vocabulary words, but she didn't know what she was talking about as far as being an expert in that field. And that's not an isolated incident. I know it's anecdotal, right? But that's that's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with public education. It's hit or miss. You never know what you're going to get. So I want to go back real quick to something Omar said about homeschool groups and homeschoolers being mostly religious. And there's a big contingency of religious homeschoolers. I've seen that. I know about it. I grew up in that. I know all the things. Um, I do want to say that as I have started homeschooling our kids, this will be our sixth year homeschooling this coming school year. I have seen such a big rise in the term secular homeschooling and uh uh, secular homeschooling methods being um, introduced or reintroduced, because some of these have been around since the 1800s, um, that it actually has given me hope. And and just for the listeners and for the sake of the conversation, but I have um, been on like a mini quest for the last maybe four years of trying to find the local homeschoolers in our area that would be more on the secular side, the ones who aren't so strictly religious, the ones who are okay with me having issues with church, having issues with God, and aren't scared of that. And I have found a few. They are, in our area, we're very, um, uh, there's a lot of fundamentalism in our area, a lot of um, very strict, a lot of uh, people who tend to be pretty strict, Um, but I have found them. And I found groups on Facebook of local-ish uh, secular homeschoolers that I've been reaching out to and starting to develop a relationship with. So, listener, if you're one like me who's looking for them, uh, it might take time, uh, but you can find them and you will find them. Um, so, because it, and especially now with um, COVID and parents and seeing the CDC guidelines, I know there's a lot of people who are starting to pull, considering pulling their kids out of school in order to homeschool them, which, um, you know, I think is fine for a year. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I think it would be traumatizing to go into school these days um, with the guidelines that CDC is putting around. But does anybody have final thoughts? Seth, you look like you're going to say something. I just feel bad for being so opinionated on this topic. And I just want to, especially for the homeschooling moms who are listening to this, uh, to this episode, um, I encourage you and I support you. Um, I, I, I'm just speaking of my personal experience on these issues um, in both babysitting homeschool kids and then struggling in high school severely around bullying. Um, and I just know what my experience is around that. So I just wanted to share my opinions. But especially in light of COVID and everything that's happening currently in our culture and in this day and age, I don't think that homeschooling is a bad idea overall. Um, I just think you need to be strategic on the socialization um, because you don't want to end up where a kid turns 18 and is completely sheltered and then gets into the real world. And, so and speaking to what, what Seth just said about, you know, parents who are scared about what they might encounter in the public school and mm-hmm. making the decision to homeschool is actually, you may have some more options pretty soon. Um, education is completely yeah. changing. Um, and in fact, uh, my district has already made an announcement that we will not be returning to school like normal ever again. Um, so 
Yeah, what that may look like is really? that um, students who are old enough to stay at home by themselves are permanently learning from home. And so, you may actually be able to, quote unquote, homeschool uh, by letting your student attend a public school via online courses. That's going to be something that I believe is going to be the norm uh, very soon for the country. Those type of schools do already exist, too. Oh, yeah. Pre-COVID. Yeah. I, I have family who who have done who have used schools like that absolutely yeah yeah what do you think omar any final thoughts yeah i'll just say that as much as i am in support of homeschool because obviously i am because our kids are homeschooled um and elizabeth knows this that as soon as any of them express any interest in wanting to go to a public school they will be enrolled because um, it's it's their choice. We're not, I don't want to force anything on their life. I'm not trying to live vicariously through them. And I'll do my best to to educate, to prepare. You know, to hopefully they can talk to me about you know anything because it's terrifying. Um, I don't want my kids to grow up. I don't want them to leave the house. I don't want them to have sleepovers with their friends. Like I don't I don't want any of that to happen. But I want them to be successful adults too. And um, so yeah. Um, I I think that homeschooling is great if you have the, the means and patience to do it. I think that it is incredible hard work. I'm super impressed with Elizabeth from the beginning. You know, she had never done it before, and we just started popping out kids, and she just started you know teaching, and it, it, and now she's teaching others how to do it. And so I'm great podcast, babe. Thanks for having us on. I'm proud of you, and um. Yeah, whether it's homeschool or, or, or private school or pri- homeschool or public school or private school or whatever, um, socialization is important. And uh, hopefully, uh, if you're listening to this, please don't think that sending your kids to a youth group is enough socialization. That's all. That's my last thought. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, any last words? I mean, I, I feel like maybe... I didn't really advocate for the public school system very much. Um, I, I think public school, well, I think public education can be great, um, but it's like anything else. Some people will do it with fidelity and some won't, you know? So I, I had a great experience in the public school system, even though I had teachers that were less than inspiring. Um, and I also, you know, had really great experiences with friends and stuff, but you can also have the exact same experience with homeschooling. You can make, you know, have neighborhood friends that you can make experiences with. I think the important thing here is to diversify the socialization of your kid, no matter whether they go to public school or homeschool. Um, make sure that they are getting out and being with people their own age, as well as people who are adults. Um, you know, if you can do that and, and just like everything else, if you can balance that out, uh, your kid will be more well-rounded and will, I mean, it's really, it's really hard to mess up a kid. They, they tend to turn out pretty well at, at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I like your point. For listeners, go back and listen to, um, episode 28. Um, I had interviewed two kids who, well, they're in, they're in their twenties now who had been homeschooled. And we talked a little bit about this, where every form of education has its flaws. And we 
kind of looking back on our own education, could pick out the things that educationally or socially were like, ah, we missed there, my parents missed on that and this and that. But we couldn't see that our public school friends on the other side of high school were any different. They had their flaws too, both socially and educationally. Ultimately, my philosophy is, and this is just my own personal thing, I really want to teach our kids to be lifelong learners and to care for other people, Um, to be not only aware of themselves, but to be aware of other people. And so I'm going to do what I can to make that happen, no matter where they end up being educated. Um, And right now, that's at home. Um, And different different people have different goals uh, for their kids' education, but that's that's my goal. So, guys, I just thank you so much for being part of my show. And uh, listeners, go check out Fade to Gray. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining me on this special episode of Four in Toe Podcast. If you'd like to know more about my podcast, the Fade to Gray podcast, or the Fade to Gray network, head over to fadetograypodcast.com. You can also find Fade to Gray and Foreign Toe Podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Fade to Gray Podcast and Foreign Toe Podcast. We're also on Twitter. If you like what you heard, be sure to smash the like button and tell your friends. Have a great homeschooling week and remember, Mama, you've got this. <laughs> <laughs>